Okay, welcome to Chihuahua Bat 2.0. I'm Swan, one of the original Chihuahua Bats. My partner in crime is Mala. Mala is currently spending the summers in Wisconsin, and she'll join me again in a few weeks, all right, when the, the weather turns cold up there. Um, besides being a Chihuahua Bat, I'm a retired educator, taught 29 years in the public classroom, and when I retired, I was passionate about advocating for teachers still in the classroom. And I feel like my voice might have a little more power because I'm not connected to a district. So I can kind of say what I want to say to a certain extent. Um, and so one of the things I did, um, I retired in 2018. In 2019, I wrote a book called Memoir of a Chihuahua Bat that highlighted uh, a real chaotic period in my career where I thought, oh my gosh, if you'd ever told me I would have had to teach in this situation, I just would have said, you're nuts, but, but it happened. And so I had to make a decision how to uh, solve this dilemma. So I always tell people that if you think you're having a challenge in the classroom, really you should read my book and I think you're gonna feel a whole lot better about your situation after you see what I went through. So anyway, Memoir of a Chihuahua Bat, you can find it on Amazon.com or off my webpage, Chihuahua Bat. Okay, so this next series of podcasts, I'm going back and connecting with you know friends and colleagues and people who impacted my journey as a teacher and so today I'm real excited about this guest because she was actually my American history teacher so I'm pleased to introduce to you Martha Ann Cates and so uh, Mrs. Cates back then and I met in 1972 but we're going to start with her career and how she began so uh, Martha welcome and I guess my first question to you is did you always want to be a teacher? No. <laughs> I wanted to be a counselor. Oh, <clears throat> But then I learned that in order to be a counselor, I had to have taught three years. And also, when I was in college, in order to be a counselor, you had to take rat psychology. Ooh. And I thought, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so I changed my major, or I had to Quickly. change my school. Yeah. And so uh, okay. I changed my major and right. went into history. And so I'm glad I did it. I enjoyed teaching up to a point, and then it did start going downhill. <laughs> but um, I'm, do you want where I first start? Yeah, let's start with yeah, student teaching. Let's walk all okay, the way back I, then. I, I student taught at Richardson High School under okay. Gloria Snyder. Okay. Excellent, excellent educator, absolutely top of the line. And I was very privileged to have her because she's well known in the Dallas Richardson area, excellent. And then uh, after I, I graduated, it was difficult to find a job because I could teach history and I could teach a few other things, but I was not a coach. Uh, yes. And so I didn't get to teach the first semester after I graduated. Okay. And, but I came in, in in January to a school in the Dallas Independent School District. Uh-oh. And uh, there were about 3,000 in this junior high. Good Lord. Woo. And uh, I was the newest one on the staff. <laughs> so at the end of the year, they wanted to break up the junior high. And you can see why it was huge. Right. And so I was shifted to another junior high. 
Uh-oh. in Dallas. <laughs> and uh, the first year, actually, it was fine. Okay. But the, the second year. Different story? If you don't mind, it was hell on wheels. <laughs> I, I believe you. <laughs> and we had many things happen there. At lunchtime, um, uh, we could look out a window and see the police cars lined up bringing the truants. Oh, gosh. And uh, my life was threatened. Oh, dear. Um, a kid yelling at me from the hall, so I had about 35 witnesses. Well, that was good. After, <laughs> after school, I Uh-oh. went and told the assistant principal. Okay. And he laughed at me. Oh, dear. And fortunately, his office was adjacent to a counselor's. She overheard the conversation. She said, motion to me to come in. You need to give a police statement in the morning. And so she had a policeman there the following morning, and he quizzed me. And he said, well, you've got a choice. You can prosecute this, or you can drop it. Uh Now I'll tell you the consequences. He said, if you do, you will meet this guy in a dark alley. Uh Uh-oh. If you don't, you can drop the whole thing. Probably never see him again. So drop it. So here, <laughs> I dropped it. <laughs> a smart decision. And by the end of the school year, we had fights all the time. Kids in the hall with two by four slugging each other. Good. I broke up a girls' fight <laughs> and got slugged myself. Oh, I believe it. And at the time, I looked very young. As I look back <laughs> on pictures right now, yeah, and you did. I, remember. I looked at some of the pictures of kids in junior high and I looked about like them in fact at my first school uh, the principal never spoke to me because I was told he thought you were one of the kids <laughs> but anyway but well, I you looked, were short right? <laughs> I, I looked so young that uh, kids would come up to me and said you want something meet me at the tree after school oh gosh I'm trying to sell you drugs and this was at the first school and also the second oh, school oh my goodness all right Anyway, so yes, I had made up my mind that mm-hmm. that spring of that second year, mm-hmm. I really wanted to clear out. Oh, and I had already applied to the Richardson Independent School District. Okay. And um, about, it was the last day of June okay. of that year, I got a phone call from A.M. Anderson principal of uh, Lake Highlands High School. Yes. And he called and wanted an appointment with me about 10 o'clock the following morning. Hmm. Well, when he called, I guess he said the school, but I wasn't sure. (laughs) (laughs) And so there's a Lake Highlands Junior High and also a Lake Highlands Elementary. So I drove by those two schools (laughs) first. Yeah. And um, nobody was parked there. Went by (laughs) the high school, one car. I went in. And well, no, first of all, he called me for a 10 o'clock appointment. Then five minutes later, he called me and said, I want to see you at 8 o'clock. Goodness. And the reason for that was that there was a bailout of teachers from Dallas. Oh. And it was said that Dallas was going to um, bring an end to the uh, teacher certificate if people left Dallas. Oh. And Mr. Anderson said, if all things go well, we'll hire you. You can be resigned from Richardson, I mean, Dallas, before they even realize that it's July the 1st. That was the cutoff. <laughs> yeah, back then it was. So wow. I had my appointment with him. 
Yes. And 10 minutes later, I, I left to go sign up with Richardson uh -huh. and then to resign from Dallas. And I was five minutes late to my 10 o'clock graduate school class. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Did you get in trouble for that? No, no, no. I just walked in and the professor just kept right on talking. So wow. he didn't even notice. So anyway, and I was so grateful that I was able to switch to Lake Highlands High School. When I first started teaching there, a <laughs> chewing gum in class was well, about ooh. the only offense that anybody did. That's true. And what a change. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then it definitely changed over the, the years. It did. But that, w that was the situation. Okay. And I had learned in my undergrad that when you begin teaching, you read the Riot Act. So that's <laughs> what I did. And I, I was in that class when mm -hmm. you did that. <laughs> Five years later, one of those kids who was in my first period class and was head of janitorial services for Richardson then <laughs> said, I want you to know what happened the first and second and third day of your first year at Lake Highlands. And he said, there was a line of students from the front office down to the, beyond the band hall, trying to get out of your class. And um, yes. so, yes. I don't know. I don't think anybody switched out. I yeah, I, I can comment on that because I, I remember sitting in your class and you walked in. You 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 were probably as tall as I was. We're short. We're like five two, five three people. And you walked in in your voice. Of course, given the history of where you came from, it made makes sense now. But then you you walked in and you were just very matter of fact and you said you will have three colored folders in this classroom and you were very there will be like a red and a blue and a green or something like that and you will have this color ink in this classroom and you will have this homework assigned daily if you don't have it it's a zero I will ask for these folders on Monday morning if you don't have them it's a zero if you turn in your homework and it's not done in ink pen it's a zero. And every statement you had, it's a zero. And we were just, our eyes were wide open going, what did we do? <laughs> so anyway, I can remember going home to my mother and going, oh, I cannot be in this history class. And she goes, why? And I said, oh, all she did was she gave us rules and we're going to get zeros. And my mother said, oh, you're staying in that class. <laughs> so I can say there was grumbling, but I will also say you ended up being our favorite. So how long were you at Lake Highlands High School? I was there for 27 years because I taught in Dallas for three years. So a total of 30 years that and you, I retired. Yeah, just as soon as you hit that 3-0, that formula. Okay, and so did you, what did you teach? American history? I taught American history for about five or six years at Lake Highlands. And then I, I taught world geography at one time, world history, um, AP European history. Wow. Um, those were, but not all at the same time. I mean, it was stretched right. out over those 27 Seven years. Seven years, right, yeah, and your certificate allowed and, you. And so anyway, um, yeah. and the classes were anywhere between 30 and 35 in a class. They were um, big, I remember. And when I first started teaching at Lake Highlands, I was a traveling teacher, so I had oh, yeah. um, a different room for every every class period. That's hard. And then the second year I was there, I was given uh, a permanent room 
A210. I remember this room. And um, this was like a chemistry lecture room. It was. Uh, there was a platform where my desk was, mm -hmm. and um, the pipes in the room were still there, they, they but they were up. capped. <laughs> and it like a typical lecture room, tears. Going up. Going up. And so, anyway, I'm, <laughs> I'll tell you about my first day of my second year. We were told to stand by the open door. Yes, and greet when the students. students came to greet the students. All were seated, the tardy bell had rung. And I moved toward my desk, kind of sauntered along. Yes. Tripped up over the platform and the pipes, yes. literally landed on the desk yes. with such a force that the desk traveled down the platform to the other side. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I hit a tripod map. The top of the map flew off and hit a student's desk. Oh my gosh. And so talk about a grand entrance. I uh, evacuated from the room very quickly. <laughs> sat out in the hall, sobbed. Yeah. And um my lab assistant showed up and said, "Why are you crying? This is the first day of school, <laughs> school. first period." And I said, I can't go back in there. And he said, oh, yes, you are. And I said, look through the window and see what they're doing. They're just sitting there waiting for you to come in and start class. <laughs> and so this, I dried up my tears and got yeah. up and walked into class very slowly, gingerly this time. Absolutely. And went to the yeah. uh, little podium that I had and began class. Dead silence. Nobody said anything. But there was one kid sitting on the wall who looked at another kid and kind of raised his eyebrows and as if to say, he didn't say anything, but as if to say, is this what we're going to have to put up with all year long? <laughs> well, nobody mentioned it all year long until the last few days of school. And then they were recapping what had happened. Uh-oh. And they started laughing. Then, of course... By then, I felt very relaxed and laughing, laughing too. Yeah. And we were all in tears <laughs> laughing so hard. And so anyway, oh they, they reminded me of that. Yes, so please. anyway, that was my first day of school, my second year when I had my permanent room. <laughs> you were like, which maybe I, I should had travel. At, yeah. <laughs> which I had until they decided to tear up that room and, and I guess turn it back to science. And um, so I got moved downstairs. Oh, nice. Wow. So yes. and it was a smaller room, uh, and but anyway, yes. it was fine. Well, I can remember at one point I was your teacher's aide one period, and I also tripped over those pipes and fell. <laughs> and I mean, it was just a common. I mean, nowadays I think they wouldn't even consider having the pipes sticking up for liability. <laughs> but back then it was like, oh well, you know, <laughs> put a teacher in there. Right. Right. Okay. So 27 years, in that 27 years, very typically they ask teachers like to sponsor things or do extra. So did you sponsor any clubs? Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm, well, I was a senior class sponsor at various times. Oh, wow. I was a senior pub sponsor. Oh, I remember uh, that. Kind of a satirical little booklet of um, events of that year yes. for the seniors. Yes. And then I was American Field Service sponsor. And the big one was what was Y-Teens. I was going to say Y-Teens. And Y -teens. then changed to oh. a Girls Service League. Girls 
services. And there were three to four hundred members of this. I remember. Huge. And huge group, but wonderful group, did service projects on right. rotations and so forth, right. tremendous service projects, uh, right. blankets for the um, babies at Parkland yeah, and that type of I thing. I remember that, yes. And had some cake sales and, and so <laughs> forth. <laughs> And then, um, and a big formal. I remember that. Oh yeah, that. presentation that was, ball at oh, the end. That was a big and, deal. Um, yeah. where the seniors were, so to speak, presented. Yeah, that was nice. And uh, okay. a, just oh, we had a barn dance and we had other parties and affairs. But yeah. um, it was a wonderful. Gr I enjoyed being with those girls yeah. and taught about twenty twenty one officers. Yeah, they all. Well, I would occasionally make a suggestion. Mm -hmm. Well, they'd already done it, <laughs> and so that's the type of officer that yeah. I was dealing with. Well, and that's absolutely what you want. Absolutely perfect. Yeah, absolutely, and that's what you wanted. And so, how long did you do Y Teens Girl Service? Oh, Too let's long? see, probably <laughs> about five, six, maybe seven years. I can't remember yeah, now. It seems, yeah. No, well, let's see here. I started teaching while. in 1970. One for the fall and 72 is my first graduating yeah. class and right. then um, I guess I discontinued in 77. That's about right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So after you leave Lake Highlands, you... Okay. After I retired from Lake Highlands, I worked as a teacher su supervisor with Texas A&M out okay. of Commerce where I, w I would have to go observe teachers uh, in their performance. And it wasn't necessarily in history, it, it was chemistry, science, you know, whatever, just to observe how they handled classes and so forth. Wow. And my territory, let's see here, I started out in Italy, Texas. Ah. And so there was a lot of traveling. Uh, I had a yeah. couple of schools in McKinney, Wiley, um, Rowlett, um, Garland had all uh, yeah, you mentioned there were six high schools, but I had only five. I did not have Centennial. Huh. And uh, then the Dallas, um, I had a couple of Dallas schools. Um, there was one um, I'll never forget. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, H. Grady Spruce. Oh, dear. Uh, as I pulled up, there were wooden horses blocking the Crescent Drive. And uh, so I couldn't find any place to park. And I did see a police car at the end of the alley. And so I pulled in the alley and I said, where can I park? And the officer said, um, you have to take my place. It's <laughs> the only one available. So he moved his car out. Okay. And uh, gave me an escort into the building. And when I got into the building, I saw that it was kind of set up as Lake Highlands. It right. had ABC um, corridors and then um, mm -hmm. perpendicular corridors. Okay. And so I could see the corners of the, the school. And at every intersection, there was a table with officers standing around, uh, maybe seven or eight officers. Goodness. And so I went to uh, the classroom, observed the teacher, uh -huh. fabulous teacher. Those kids were taking notes, they were paying attention, oh, they were wow. answering his questions, absolutely fabulous. And I also had to teach a class on Thursday nights Goodness. to these 
to these teachers. Oh, I and see. And it was located at um, Eastfield. Okay. Yeah, I got that. And so um, I remember this man said that he was afraid to teach there, hmm. and he was especially afraid for his wife to be teaching there. Huh. And again, I observed him excellent job. And as I left, right. um, an officer met me at the table and said, now where are you going? And I said, I'm going to my car. So he escorted me to my car. <laughs> Gosh. And um, you look to the front and you look to sure. the back and so forth when you're pulling out and don't yeah. want to hit anything. Yes. And so as I was backing out, I kind of looked at the front again and I saw this kid kind of trying to scoot around the side of the, the building. Oh. And I just knew that he had to be the culprit that they were They were looking, looking for. for him, right? And so I jetted out of there real fast. And, of course, as I did, I saw several police cars, two in a car, uh, circling the school. So I didn't realize I had walked in on a, so to speak, lockdown. (laughs) And who ever (laughs) thought we'd have to do that, right? Mm. (laughs) Now, the other schools that I uh, visited were were excellent. Good. Good. And I'll have to say this Garland was an excellent school district okay and in comparison to the others what made it so much better well kids were paying attention they they had 35 to 40 kids in some of the classes but they were paying attention responding taking notes so uh, i was very impressed and nobody out roaming the halls which was a, a real shock yeah, yeah, because, yeah, everywhere I went, there was always, you know, kids in the halls trying to get out. So I guess you would say discipline was a... a yeah, discipline. Was a real value there, and right. Which was an evaporating word in it is. several schools. Yeah, and it has changed. I want to say, this is, now you may have a different opinion, what I think changed it was about 1985, there was a lawsuit that required principals to have like hearings before they could even pass down like you know expulsion or ISS or anything like that and I think that it made their process longer maybe harder a little more difficult and what used to be just logical no I'm sorry you're not going to disrupt the class now became uh, more of a political uh, process and it slowed down and so I mean sometimes the discipline would be handed down but it would be three weeks after the fact and they'd already moved on you know what I mean (laughs) so to me, I thought that's where, if you want to say discipline declined, and I, and I saw it decline. Maybe it started there. I don't know. But I also think it just depends on your leadership team. They're either real committed and on board and consistent, or they're not. And when they're not, uh, that makes the classroom teacher's job 200% harder, I, I can say. At Lake Highlands, we even had a, a dress code, no spaghetti straps, no right. cleavage, um, yes. and a length of skirts, skirt, maybe yes. two inches above the knee. I uh-huh. mean, simply with the style at the time. Right. And I can remember sending a, a young girl to the office, because we were instructed that they yes. had to be punished for it. So <laughs> I sent her to the office. Yes. And she came up and threw the note on my desk. He said, just go back to class. I, I experienced that several times you know and at one point uh, I was doing a summative evaluation the principal said you know what can we do to improve and I I just said dress code to me was something you could never ever win 
It was a constant mm -hmm. fight. And I said, if you're going to have a dress code and you tell teachers to send those kids out, you better have a way to deal with them in the front enforce, office. Enforce yeah. It. And nine times out of ten, the breakdown was there if they even got there because mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, they went other places and forged their notes. Uh, but often it would be they said to come, you know, come back to class and they'd call me out again because, you know, so-and-so was in a meeting or the principal couldn't see him. And I just said that's the worst thing you can do because if I stop my class and I deal with this minor infraction, I expect something to be done. Otherwise, I don't want to stop the lesson if you're right. not. Yeah. So that was very frustrating to me. And, you know, it did get better, but, you know, it, again, it depended on who was up in no, the office. It didn't get better. No, no. <laughs> not where I was. <laughs> well, and I know that many people, they would call home and say, come get your child, but what do you do when a parent says, I'm not coming to get my child? Well, now you have to have a holding, you know. So the, it just became, I guess, more of a problem than they wanted to deal with. Um, okay. One thing I do need to point out yeah. is when I started at, at Lake Highlands, mm -hmm. terrific parental support. Right. Uh, if a child had to be expelled or anything like that, mm -hmm. the parents stood behind. In fact, one of my ex-students ex I keep up with, and I've gotten to know his mother, <laughs> and he told me that, of course, um, for any type of punishment, and of course, back then, you could use a paddleboard. You could, yeah. And But the parent had to be notified. Yeah, right. And so they would call his mother and tell her that they were going to use the board mm -hmm. and she said I'll give him a lick for me too <laughs> total support right. absolute right total support but then that support it began dwindling it over did. the years yeah and I can remember a, a boy cheating on an exam uh -oh. and I called his mother in she, oh he wouldn't do that there's no way he knows not to do that so forth well, when you pull your desk up to another student and your eyes are looking at the paper of the other student, that is cheating. I don't know what else to <laughs> call an that. exam. Yes. And so, anyway, but she she never believed it. it was it was all my fault. Yeah, I ran into that, you know, quite a bit. Um, it, oh, my child would never. And I was like, you know, sometimes their home environment they act a little bit differently than they do when they get really? to school. Yes. Yeah, I yes. know. And so I, because I knew that it was going to be a battle, oh, my child would never or you can't prove it, I would call home and say, um, you know, I visited with your child and, you know, he and I talked about he didn't do well on the test and, and actually uh, I really felt like he was cheating. And I said, so, but here's what I'd like to do. Um, I'd like to give him another opportunity with your permission, but it will not be the same test because I said, rather than give him a zero, let, you know, let's maybe he's had a bad day and they'd be like, oh, thank you so much. And then I, I would give him a very hard test because I felt like if you put some time and effort to it the first time, mm -hmm. you wouldn't be in this situation unless there was some emergency I didn't know about. And so that usually solved the cheating for the most part. But I, I got to the point also where I just wasn't, going to argue with the parent that would not you know support you to, you know and I got tired of hearing oh if your test wasn't so hard they wouldn't you know there was a million excuses so I just sort of took the cheating word out of the dialogue and uh, you know just to save face there but um, yeah and uh, you know, 
I grew up, of course, you know, I was part of that generation. I, you know, if I got in trouble at school, I got double trouble when I went Oh, home. yes. Well, and certainly I did. Absolutely. <laughs> and my parents made it clear. And if a teacher ever called home, and even if it wasn't my fault, it was going to be my fault when I walked in the door. So uh, we, our self-discipline, I think, was a lot stronger back then. Um, well, I can remember getting in a fight with a girl after school when I was in the fifth grade. Uh-oh. And... The office called my father to pick me up. Now, that was a real mistake for me to get into a fight. I regretted that <laughs> tremendously. I bet you did. And I never did that again. Never again. <laughs> oh, I know. Ooh, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I saw as the family dynamics changed, um, that so did, you know, the behavior in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And I always felt like kids really needed boundaries and wanted boundaries and performed better when they knew the rules and they knew the consequences and mm -hmm. it didn't have to be harsh or you know uh you know torture i'm not talking about that but i mean if you know if the principal stood behind your rules and your procedures then i thought things went very smoothly yes and uh, yeah and, and it I, comes from the top it does oh a fish rots from the top down and i feel like i worked with some principals or you know some leadership that that just wasn't their comfort zone do you know what i mean mm, and, no, and I yeah know. and so it would really ultimately fall back on me and i was like so it made my job harder so i always appreciate like you had to handle your own discipline problem pretty much i did yes. and when i exited two years ago the process i had to go through which i now understand you know the lawsuits and the litigation that has because there were some terrible cases not you know in my area but you know we have to pay for the mistakes of others but the process became so long and involved that by the time I went through the five or six steps for the first infraction that I told the kid repeatedly would you please you know not do uh, it, they had already moved on to another you know so it was just just huge snowball of constantly dealing with discipline and my absolute favorite would be of course it was all electronic back then I would pull it up we had a program called discipline manager and I could kind of see the process that uh, leadership took and the what would really just whoo, make the hair on the back of my neck stand up is I would look at what the principal wrote and it would be talk with student and I would just fall back in my chair and go what do you think I've been doing for the past five weeks you know what I mean so it was just kind of like wow mm -hmm. yeah so I've visited with several people and they've been in all kinds of districts I mean from just terribly poor which that's you know one kind of parental neglect all the way up to like the elite $40,000 a year private school and um, and that neglect is different <laughs> they've got the money but the parents were just sort of absent but the one thing that I hear is uh, discipline and the way teachers uh, really respect when leadership steps up and backs them up and mm -hmm. uh, and then when they don't, that what that picture looks like, it's really sad. So that's kind of been a common thing. Well, and I think the turnover of teachers now is pretty fast. And uh, a lot of it goes back to the lack of getting leadership to support you. Absolutely, yeah. And again, I think it's it goes back to maybe lawsuits and fear of lawsuits. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and nobody likes to be yelled at. I mean, whether you're a teacher or you're a principal right. or you're a superintendent, nobody likes that. But I think that you kind of know that going into the job. Mm -hmm. And so if, if, if that's not your strong suit, you're really not doing anybody any favors because uh, education is not getting easier. <laughs> it's no. getting harder. No. Okay, so any advice if, like, you 
you hear someone and you're talking and they say, oh, you know, my child's going to go into teaching. Do you have any advice? Because I have a hard time with this now. I'm like, I had, I loved it. I really loved teaching when I got to teach. I loved it. But I, I kind of find myself going, ooh, are you sure you want to <laughs> do you do well, that? Well, I have talked to some former students and have directed them not to go into teaching yeah, I, in I, the I past. Know, I know. I find myself saying okay so let me throw out some situations you know do you realize you know a b c d and uh because i don't care you know what they say on paper what we actually you know the walk in the classroom is, is much different so i always try you know to warn them and you know i try not to just totally say don't do it but uh, i try to give them i guess a realistic picture of you know what the handbook's not going to tell you right. <laughs> about no, a real life experience it, for them exactly and that's what i kind of hope these these podcasts do as we tell our stories people kind of get the real picture you know of what teaching is all right well i want to thank you so much for sharing your story um i want to tell uh, all my listeners that if you have any questions for me or for Miss Cates, you can uh, email me uh, through Podbeam or Spotify, or you can go to my webpage, chihuahuabat.com, and we will gladly respond. And so, as I always say, dare to be a Chihuahua Bat. Thank you.